John's working his way up to the uh, lectern right now. I'm trusting he's already there, as John would be, um, to share with you the gospel story for today. Again, we are continuing in a series on uh, Peter. Uh, Peter is the second most reflected, talked about character in the New Testament and the Gospels next to Jesus. He is mentioned by name 200 times. The rest of the disciples, only 50. He appears in virtually every story of Jesus' ministry. And yet, for most of us, I think the truth is, we tend to focus on Jesus, of course, and the Apostle Paul, and Peter gets sort of overlooked. But we've discovered, and I'm here to confess and tell you, that in this study and looking at Peter, I've come to understand he's a very accessible way for me to reflect on where I am with Christ and what Christ is doing in my life and what Christ can do. So I invite you to hear the story that John is about to read to you in the next installment of Peter's life. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know nor I understand what you're talking about. And he went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed, and the servant girl on seeing him began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. Then after a little while the bystanders said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know this man that you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed again for the second time. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. It's the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you, John. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Today, Lord, we come into your holy presence daring to talk about things that are real and truthful, including those parts of our lives and our relationships we would just as soon sugarcoat and keep in the shadow. And yet your grace never stays just where we think it ought to. It is pervasive. It captures us all. And it takes over all of our life, bringing light into darkness and restoration in places where there was no hope. So be that presence to each and every person in this room today, Lord. Whether through the words of my mouth or the music or our interactions or reading scripture, whatever it might be, we pray that today, like Peter, we would be shocked not only at how much you love us, but what your love can do through us and in us. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. What would it take for you 
to betray a friend. What would it take for you to turn your back on a family member? What would it take for you to be a traitor? Betrayal, abandonment, and denial are what we're talking about today. And I want to tell you that I made a very conscious decision in preparing this message. I was going to share a story of betrayal. And then I realized as I looked at my life and the world, I'm not sure that I need to put up in front of you somebody else's story of betrayal. It is my guess that in your life, you have either experienced being betrayed or you know what it is to betray somebody. Am I right? I don't think betrayal, I don't think denying someone, I don't think turning your back on someone, I don't think running out on somebody when they needed you is something that's limited to an ancient world story. I think we probably know it more intimately than we want to let anyone else know. Nothing it seems to me, cuts deeper into your soul than when somebody betrays you. And there are no scars that are harder to get rid of. There is no guilt that is heavier than being the one who has betrayed and is fully aware of what you've done. Betrayal, turning your back on and abandoning people who counted on you, who trusted you, who loved you, whom you loved, who you trusted, and who you counted on, has a lot of collateral damage. It kills trust. It kills hope. It destroys any previous proclamations of love and affection and faithfulness. They all melt away like ice on a July hot summer day. They're gone. Betrayal calls into question everything that we trusted in. Do you understand what I'm saying? then maybe you can understand why this story of Peter is so important to understand. Maybe today we'll get close enough to experiencing what Peter experienced that it may leak over some hope and a revelation and grace within our lives and our relationships. Because Peter knew firsthand what it was to betray.
Again, Peter. You know Peter. He was the one who Jesus called from the shoreline. He was the one who, in the moment of his calling, Jesus said, you will be the rock of the church. It is Peter who seemed to be the leader of the disciples. He was brash. He was impetuous. Let's be honest. He was arrogant and cocky. He was prone to making big, brash statements that he could not back up. Lord, let me come out of the boat. I'll walk on the water. Boom. And you know, that every time he made one of those big brash statements, it came back to haunt him. Now, the story that John read to you today happens in the moment of Jesus' crucifixion, but you need to understand and remember what sets it up. Jesus is with his disciples. He's telling his disciples, they're all gathered together. Very soon, he was going to have to be uh, betrayed, yes. He was going to have to be set up in a mock trial. He was going to have to suffer. He was going to have to be killed And he looks at the disciples, the collective crowd, and says, and all of you will betray me. (laughs) Eleven people look down at their toes on the ground, but not Peter. No, Lord, I won't betray you. There's no way that could happen. Now, they, I know all of them, they're going to betray you, but not me. I won't do that to you. Peter, I'm going to tell you this right now. (laughs) You're going to deny me three times. No, I'm not. And now the rest of the story. The night comes. Three times. Three times as Jesus is off in that other room. What's going on in that other room? He's being mocked. He's being beaten. He's being interrogated. He's being set up. He's being prepared for death. And here in the courtyard, in the dark, Peter is hiding. He sort of wants to know what's going on, but not at any personal risk. So first someone says, hey, aren't you? No, I'm not. Hey, I know for sure you're one. No way. Weren't you with him in the garden? I promise you I did not know him. Three times. He betrays the one who called him, who gave him his purpose in life. And it's interesting to note that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, From that moment on, in the Gospels, Peter disappears. This cocky brash right in the middle of the spotlight guy, who is the leader, all of a sudden is nowhere to be found. Oh, yeah, in one of the resurrection stories, he shows up at the tomb, but he simply looks in and then leaves. I mean, he's not the guy he used to be. In John, though we get this story, after the betrayal, after, Jesus, after Peter being sort of out of the loop, after the resurrection, a few days later, and this story is found in the Gospel of John, the 21st chapter. And if you have your Bible app open or you've got a Bible in front of you or brought your Bible, you might want to turn to John 21.
While you're doing that, let me just let you know that in John 20 is the resurrection story as the gospel tells it there. Okay? And after the resurrection story, a day or so is passed. And in the 21st chapter of John, we hear this story. The disciples are out by the seashore. Peter says, I'm going fishing. The others say, sure, we'll go with you. So they go out and they fish all night. And what did they catch? Nothing. In the morning, you know, in that morning on the water where it's it's brighter but you still can't see clear, they see a figure on the shoreline saying, throw your net over on the other side. They do, and they catch more fish than Hal and I have ever dreamed of catching. (laughs) Does this story sound familiar to you? Anybody? Like a sermon I preached four Sundays ago, anybody? (laughs) The call story of Peter, where he's by the shore and Jesus comes along. He says, come and, come and, well, no, the story that I gave, the version of the call story I gave you, which is all the gospel, let him make it up, was that he asked Peter to go out in the water with him and he preaches and then he says, let's go out a little deeper and they catch, do you remember now some of this coming back to you? Thank you. You're my hope. This is a retelling of the call story. A second time. Peter's being called again. After the betrayal, three-time betrayal, he jumps out of the boat and he comes racing over to see Jesus. He is so excited because the catch of the fish says that Jesus is once again reinvested in them, in him. And he runs and he gets up on shore and Jesus asks for some fish and they make a fire What kind of fire is it? Charcoal fire. Listen to me carefully. The word for charcoal fire here appears only one other time in the Gospels, in the Bible. Do you know where? The charcoal fire in the courtyard where Peter three times denied Jesus. I want you to understand. Peter runs up on the shore. He's all excited to see Jesus. He's all getting a little pumped up again. And he immediately begins to smell the same smell on the night he betrayed Jesus. And you and I both know that smell is the closest thing tied to our memory. He comes up on the shoreline and he smells betrayal. He smells taking him right back to the moment when he betrayed Jesus. He's living with that moment. Do you understand? So this is a call story in the midst of the betrayal. And then listen to what Jesus does. He asks three times, 
in front of all the disciples. He doesn't take Peter off to the side in front of everybody. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Each proclamation of loving Jesus is an absolution for one of the moments of betrayal that happened at the previous charcoal fire. The first two proclamations, Lord, I love you, is an I love you. I am proclaiming. Let me tell you about it. The third one is, Lord, you know. Because he's finally been humbled enough to simply quit trusting in himself, but trusting in this Jesus who's willing to forgive his betrayal three times. Lord, you know that I love you. And I'm just going to humbly trust what you know about me. And in that moment, in that moment, Peter is recreated, recalled, and restored as the one Jesus always knew he could be. From this point on, he becomes the rock of the church. Do you remember that he was first called by Jesus, you will be the rock of the church in the original call story? And you know this. You know Peter, who's cocky and brash and full of himself. When Jesus said, you'll be the rock of the church, he said, darn right I am. Yeah, baby, that's me. I can pull that off. (laughs) I'm the rock. You ain't. You know that was his attitude. But it took until this moment when humility and the confession of what everyone in the room knew transformed him from being the apostle who three times denied Jesus to being the apostle who three times was forgiven by Jesus. He was restored, and he becomes the rock of the church. Have you known betrayal? Do you have scars still? Do you carry a weight around with you that either is on your shoulders or in your chest or in the lump of your throat when you have to be honest about what you've done to others? Jesus taught Peter so that we could learn too. All of the trauma and all the collateral damage that betrayal does, and it's horrific, can be healed through humility, confession, and surrender to the one who's willing to trust you again, even Jesus Christ. 
Now, not every relationship in this world will be restored. I know that for a fact. Probably not every relationship should. And you have to have healthy boundaries with those who have betrayed you. And you've got to be honest about what you're capable of as you recommit to new relationships and put things in place so that you don't just trust in your own, I'll never betray, but rather you set your life up to make sure of it. I was with a couple recently. We were talking about this as they're getting ready for marriage. And I said, you know, one of the things I've always loved about Billy Graham there are two things I loved about him. One is the fact that he changed in what he preached. You know, what he began to preach as a young man wasn't what he was preaching later in life. And it's not just because he came away to around to my way of thinking. It's because it showed he would grow. We all grow. Aren't you glad you're not preaching today what you used to preach? Amen. But one of the things I loved about him the most is this. He said, when he was a young man, this ministry will be found on integrity, not because we're all that and because we are above those kinds of things, but rather we're going to put accountability in our life to make sure none of us are going to wander off the path. So if you're entering into a friendship or a marriage or wherever you're entering into, it's not about, oh, I will never. <laughs> Do you hear Peter? I will never because I'm going to put these things in my life so that I make sure that I will never. But when betrayal comes, if Peter tells us anything, it is to say it's not the end of the story. It is to say that new life can still happen. It is to say that in the name of Jesus Christ, Scars can be healed, wounds can be healed, and lives can be restored, not only back to what they were, but better than what they once were. I believe with my whole being that that could happen in this life. But I also know it doesn't always happen in this life. But it will happen one day. And the words of Adam Hamilton, I'm counting on the fact that grace begins here, but is fulfilled eventually one day. So where there has been betrayal in the past, maybe not in this life, but in the name of Jesus Christ, I believe, I'm counting on the fact that we will all be brought back to the same table of grace. That was Jesus' gift to Peter. That is Jesus' gift to us all. Amen.